Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols. And on today's episode, I want to make things really practical for you. I want to relive one of my greatest experiences from my own playing career, if that's what you want to call it. As a lot of you regular listeners know, I never turned professional, but in my own estimation, I was good enough to. Several factors were at play as to why I didn't turn pro, which you can hear in the very first episode of The Mental Golf Show titled, Why I Quit Pursuing Pro Golf, and actually, fun fact, Mental Golf Show trivia, I originally was calling it The Mental Golf Podcast, I think. Uh, at one time, I was even going to call it the Mental Golf Audio Show um, because it was going to have a corresponding video show. I mean, it's called Show. That's weird that a show would be, I mean, it's a show, like visual, but it's this is a podcast. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you can go listen to the very first episode uh, called Why I Quit Pursuing Pro Golf. is a short little uh, intro to me, basically. Or you could listen to it in, in the episode I did with, uh, I had Robert Linville, my longtime swing instructor, uh, mentor um, on the podcast. Or uh, a lot of you listened to the episode, What to Think If You Need a New Coach. I detailed a lot of my past, uh, my playing career in that episode. So you can choose to call it a golf career if you'd like. Uh, but one of my biggest accomplishments for my career playing golf was my finish in the 2017 U.S. Mid-Am. I finished runner-up that year, but in order to play in it, I had to first qualify, like most people, and I thought it would be cool to relive that qualifier with with probably several of you listening attempting to qualify for the U.S. Mid-Am over the next month. The reason I want to do this isn't to toot my own horn or to draw attention to how good I was able to handle a tough round of golf or how I was good enough to qualify, but really... What I want for you is to see what a strong mental game actually looks like in action and how having a good mental game can rescue a round that should have been much worse. And I say I say this like you've never had a good mental game round. No doubt you've had rounds that were going poorly and you were able to turn them around. And those are great stories of the triumph of a good mental game. This is just my version of that. And if you need someone else's example of what a a good round of golf, a, a round of golf that had a good mental game is, this is what that is. I'm offering you an example from my own past. And what this comes from is one of my all-time favorite habits I used to have when I was at my best was my consistent habit of journaling. Every morning I would write down three things that went well the previous day and one thing from yesterday I need to improve and then specifically how I planned on improving that one thing. This is an awesome exercise that Robert, uh, the aforementioned Robert Limville, uh, recommended I do daily as a daily journal to increase my self-confidence, increase my own self-belief in my own game. So this that was an awesome exercise for just that. And it's something I recommend you do, and I've recommended it before. And it's something I should be doing on a daily basis. I Consistent journaling, journaling is such a healthy habit. Um, that everyone should be doing that can have real impacts on how you see yourself, how you view, um, you know, do you have a fixed mindset or do you have a growth mindset? Are you able to improve at things? Um, yeah, it's just a, it's a great habit and that's a good writing prompt for you. Three good things you did yesterday or 
earlier today if you're doing it at night, one thing you need to improve from yesterday or today, and then specifically how you plan on improving that thing. Uh, but I digress. So I went back in my old journal entries and found what I wrote from the day after this qualifier. And I did this, I wanted to send this to some of my junior girl players that played in the U.S. Junior qualifier at the same course, and it was cool, it was a USGA qualifier just like mine at Colonial in High Point just like mine. So I sent them my uh, thoughts from my qualifier four years prior, and I thought maybe they can learn from it. Maybe they can see what it's like to fight through a tough round, a round that's not going great. And funny also is that I got to caddy for one of my players in their qualifier. So it was it was just a cool experience to go back to there where I had this awesome qualifier. Um, but enough of all this intro. Let's get right into the journal entry, and I'll pop in to give any context or thoughts needed as I go. It's not super long. I just it's just a cool journal entry that I wrote. Um, so yeah, let's jump to the journal entry. Yesterday was the single greatest round I have ever played. No, it wasn't the lowest score. No, it wasn't the best I've ever hit the ball or putted. It was simply the greatest mental round I've ever had. So this is, that's a epic way to begin a journal entry. Um, but now I get into the details of the round. I start reliving that, how the actual round went. I step, on, I step up on the first tee, and I'm amped up and way too anxious. So I'm basically internally yelling at myself, pick a target, let it rip, accept the result. But I just couldn't relax. So let's, let's take a second to give some context into this. This is, I want to say, August of 2017. This is a full year after I had been working with Robert on my swing, on my game, on my practice, on my mental game, and I was really seeing results. I felt really, really good about my game. And the, the reason why I was way too anxious was because I really badly wanted to qualify. And for the previous uh, several months leading up to this qualifier, I was working so hard. I, I've looked back through my journal entries. I was working so hard on detaching myself from wanting it so bad, detaching myself from the results, detaching myself from the need to play well, the need to qualify, the need to win. It was my main priority every single time I went out to play. I knew how good I was playing in practice, yet to be able to take it onto the course, I knew I had to detach myself from how like my high expectations. So I had to have I I had to know how good I was, but then also be okay with whatever happened during the round. It's such a hard balance to find. So the reason why I was way too anxious on the first tee was because I knew how good I was. I knew how bad I wanted this qualifier because I had been to the U.S. Mid-Am in 2016. It was awesome. USGA events are the best. They, uh, I've heard people complain about USGA events and how the U.S. Open is run and how you know the food at the tournament is crappy or the whatever. I say, screw all of you. USGA events are the best-run tournaments that I've ever been a part of. Um, and I don't know if that's just because I've only been in four or five of them, and some people have been in 20, 30, 40 of them. But 
They are amazing. And I really wanted to get back to it. So I was amped. I, I knew I had the ability to do it. And then I had to calm myself down, but I was way too anxious. So I was yelling my, at myself my catchphrase at the time, and I'm, I still say this catchphrase to myself. Pick a target, let it rip, accept the result. You can see that tweet pinned to the top of my Twitter because that was the phrase that I used over and over and over and over again during my peak, the, the, during my personal peak of my golf career. Pick a target, let it rip, accept the result. It has the three pillars that I like to say are the most important parts of of a pre-shot routine of of golf in general is commitment, trust, and acceptance. I almost forgot the trust part. (laughs) Nice, Josh. Commitment, trust, and acceptance. So you pick a target, you've got to commit to a target. You got to let it rip. You've got to trust in your own ability enough to just let it go. And then you got to accept the result. You've got to you've got to have a a dominating presence of acceptance in order to move on from what just happened and start over all over again on the next shot back into commitment. So, those are the three pillars. And I've kind of added one in since then is focus is so it becomes focus, commitment, trust, and acceptance because you've got to not be distracted. You've got to be present. But commitment kind of takes care of that. If you're committed to a target, you're not distracted. So I was yelling this phrase at myself, but I just could not relax. I couldn't bring myself down. So back into the journal. This was the story for every shot and every putt for the first eight holes. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't get myself to not care. I wanted to qualify way too much. So that's me kind of talking about that context again. I really wanted to qualify for this because I had played in the 2016 U.S. Mid-Am, and it was awesome, and I knew I was good enough to do it. I wanted this way too much. And then after bogeying eight to go to two over, I told myself, well, good job, Josh. You wanting it so bad just ruined it for yourself. Not a great moment mentally, not a great self-talk moment, but in that moment, I was thinking two over, that's not going to qualify. That never qualifies for USGA events, even though the US Mid-Am is a relatively easy qualifier compared to other USGA events. It's just 18 holes, you you get after it, and the best, you know, the best sprinter wins, but I knew two over wasn't going to get in at, at this course, at any course, just about. So I was frustrated. I was mad at myself. So I kind of gave myself a little kick in the butt. So then I birdied nine and then I eagled 10. I remember this putt. It was awesome. It was a super long putt, kind of surprised me. And then I had a great par on 11, which is really tough, dogleg left. And then I birdied 12 and then I birdied 13. I went from two over to three under in five holes. This run was unlike anything I've ever felt. I wasn't juiced anymore. I wasn't anxious. I didn't care. The talk I had with myself, that quote-unquote bad self-talk, the kind of uh, self-deprecating moment I had with myself after eight, finally broke through my thick skull. It It took all eight of those holes to finally wake myself up to, to the realization of, dude, you want this too much. 
You, you are ruining this for yourself by wanting it too much, by attaching your security, identity, whatever, to the result. You aren't accepting, you, you're not having a, a dominating presence of acceptance enough. You're not detached enough. And it finally got through my thick skull, and I went on that tear to get the three under. I started striping it and rolling it without fear. But it wasn't over there. I mean, that's only uh, 13 holes. It's not over. And boy, is it not over. I promptly pump one out of bounds on 13, and I made a triple. (laughs) I erased all of that clawing back. I was in the grave after eight holes at two over. I got myself out of the grave. I got all the way back to three under. Then I got right back in the grave and covered myself with dirt because I I went from three under back to even. And I knew even wasn't going to make it most likely. So now I am forced to accept. I've never had to accept something like this in golf. This was the ultimate test for me. It would have been so easy to give up, but I refused. I... Uh, Josh talking in uh, away from the journal. I I remember this moment. I I don't know what it. I guess I don't remember the exact <clears throat> excuse me the exact words I said to myself internally. But it was it wasn't anger, and it wasn't like I said to myself after eight. It it was it was more like a calm. It was like a, an actual acceptance of, you know what? It's okay. Whatever has happened, has happened. And whatever will happen, will happen. And it's just okay. And some bigger context to this even further, because it's never just the actual details that are going on that are in that moment on the in the round. There's, there's always more to it. And you'd be lying to yourself to say, what... What I feel as a whole, as a person, doesn't affect me on the on the course. That's not true. So about a month before this qualifier, I believe, I met my now wife, then girlfriend, Kayla, and we had been dating for a month. And it was a pretty new experience for me at the time to be dating someone. And, and what that did was distract me from golf and and made me realize that golf is not the be all and end all and made me realize that I shouldn't be so attached. I shouldn't find my identity in golf and my results. So the culmination, this moment after 13 holes, the triple I made on 13, the at this moment was the culmination of my solid year of 8 to 10 to 12 hours a day of practice, of swing instruction with Robert, of going to a swing swing instructor that knew what he was talking about, that was giving me good information. He was giving me a holistic program to work that I was working 8 to 12 hours a day, tireless effort, working out, working on my mental game, journaling, constant focus on, on getting better, constant blinders on for the process and the healthy distraction and the healthy mentality that okay I love golf and I love 
improving and I love progress and I love working hard and I love work ethic, but ultimately there is way more to life than golf. So I was, I was pulling so hard from both sides and it created this balance, this, this perfect balance that I found in this moment on the 13th hole, after the 13th hole. I guess on the 14th tee box. All right, it was probably on the fringe of the 13th green after I finished out for triple. It, uh, I can't remember the exact details. I do remember the, the ball I hit out of bounds right. Terrible drive. But it all culminated then of I am okay. Whatever just happened is fine. And, and it wasn't like I don't care anymore. It was next shot. It could all be boiled down. All of my mentalities, all the entire culmination could be boiled down into those two words, next shot. Because that didn't matter what just happened. It doesn't matter that I'm even, like, it doesn't matter that I was two over, then three under, then even. I'm just even. And that doesn't even matter because... Every shot I've ever hit in my life is over. All I have left is what? Say it with me. Next shot. So I go to 14. I parred the 200-yard par 3. I say 15th here. Okay, so maybe it was after 14 holes. So uh, the next hole is a 200-yard par 3 15th. Difficult hole. I parred it. I hit two great shots and a great putt on 16, but I made par. It pretty easy hole relatively is kind of a short hole. Should have I ideally should have made birdie, but I made par. The seventeenth was a one hundred ninety two yard par three over water, basically an all carry green. I laced a five iron to fourteen feet, and I made the sweeping right to lefter for birdie. I know that green, and if you know that green, the seventeenth at Colonial in High Point, it is a tough green, very steep, very banked back to front. I hit it to pin high, 14 feet on the right, and made the sweeping right to lefter for birdie. It was an awesome putt. And then on 18, I hit a great tee shot. Then I miss hit a pitching wedge, but it ended up 15 feet. I guess back then, a miss hit with a pitching wedge for me was a to 15 feet. Now it would be like 40 to 50 feet, maybe even missing the green. But back then, when I was at my peak, this is the best I was ever playing. I miss hit a pitching wedge, but it ended up 15 feet. I kid you not, this 15-footer was a triple breaker. I remember this putt. It was it was super baffling looking at it, but I gutted it for birdie. Boy, did that feel good. I finished it two under. I had no idea whether I qualified or not, but I had conquered myself. I conquered my mind. I'll remember this round for a very, very long time. And the way these journal entries go. That was all the journal entry. That's not what I'm saying now. That was my journal entry then. I'll remember this round for a very, very long time. That is true. As you can see now, I am two years into doing a mental golf podcast, and I still remember this uh, day. So yeah, it was awesome. But the thing about these journal entries is, you know, like I said, you list three good things that you did the day before. So that was number one, that whole paragraph. That was number one thing I good did good yesterday. And that's elaborate. Usually it's one good thing you did. But I decided to list my entire round as my one good thing I did. So then number two, my the second good thing I did was I qualified for my second U.S. Mid-Am. And then 
Also, I wrote for my third good thing I did for that day was I qualified for my second U.S. Mid-Am. I was really, really excited. And and that's what I what I guess I'd like to say is it's okay to enjoy good rounds. When I say detached from results and there's more to life than golf and you should you should have this perfect balance to where the result means nothing and you should be so focused on your process. I I don't do this enough. I don't I don't leave room for my players or for you as the listener to this podcast to actually enjoy a good result. How amazing is a good result in golf? It's rare. It's hard. It's hard to do. It's hard to get a good result. So good results should be enjoyed. As Bob Rotella says in one of his books, really, I think it's your 15th club, possibly. He he talks about tagging good things that you do with a high amount of emotion because it it bookmarks it in your brain. It's easier for your brain to go back in its file system to find the things that have a lot of emotion to them. Just like this day for me. I tagged this day with a lot of high emotion, and it was a good day. So I tagged a good thing with a lot of emotion. And that's the purpose of this journal, is reliving the good things over and over and over so it makes it easier for your brain to access the good things. So hyping up and being excited about and enjoying and reliving the good things you do is super valuable. It has real, like, psychological benefits to you, to to the quality of, like, your future golf. So when I say put the blinders on and care only about the result, along that, along the journey that is, uh, that your blinders are on, there are stepping stones of tournaments and stepping stones of results along that journey towards your goal. So after each of those stepping stones, your job is to evaluate it, is to, is to choose you know, what's good from this and what's bad from this. What do I need to keep and what do I need to get rid of? And you keep the good and you learn from the bad. It's simple. And the best way to keep the good is to relive it with a lot of emotion and say, that was awesome. That was, that was exciting and fun and great. And then the way to keep the bad or the way to get rid of the bad is is to learn from it, is to say, okay, that wasn't good, but that's all right. I'm going to work on it. Here's here's six things, or in my journal, here's one thing I need to improve. But from this whole tournament, from this stepping stone on my journey towards my goal, here's something, here's the things I need to improve. Like this tournament showed me what I need to work on. And that's the process. That's That's the boiled down version of the process is, Hype up the good things that you did with a lot of emotion and enjoy them and relive them and then learn from the bad things you did and use them to get better in the future so that you can have more good things. You'll always have bad things, so it's really important to hype up the good things with a lot of emotion. So that's why I, you know, it's easy for me to say because I'm clearly excited here Uh, about a result, it's easy for me to say being excited about results is good, but it's true. Being excited about results is a good thing, and I encourage you to do that. And then once once you're done being excited about results and it's been long enough, 
get back to work. Put your blinders on, focus on your process, take one more step, and those two words that I said in the middle of the round during that day was next shot. That's blinders on, focus on the process, next shot. Enjoy your good result, but then next shot, always. Always, you've only ever got the next shot. So that was me reliving the best mental game round I've ever had. I hope you can you can take something from it. You can you can say this is what good mental game is in a round of a roller coaster round. A lot of rounds can be this way. They're bad, then they're great, then they're bad again, and then they're so so, and then they're great. And and this is a way that you can you can learn from my process, my my macro general balance that helped me get to this culmination. And you can also learn from my practical, like how did I actually deal with difficult situations mid-round? And I'd say the the biggest takeaway for you, the biggest priority that you can have from this is the three pillars that I said of, you know, a pre-shot mantra that I would say is pick a target, let it rip, accept the results. But however you do that in the form is commitment, trust, and acceptance. Take that away. And if you do those three really well from now on, you're going to be way better than you are now. And you're going to have an advantage over your competitors. So I hope you take that away. I hope you liked this episode. If you did, go leave a review in Apple Podcasts. And if you don't use Apple Podcasts, uh, head to the Mental Golf Show Facebook group. Drop drop a line there. Uh, join the group. Uh, join the conversation. Yeah, go do that. And also, if you want to get your mental game assessed, if you want to take a mental game quote-unquote personality quiz, I have one. It'll be in the show notes. It'll be the first thing in the show notes. You won't be able to miss it. It's called the Mental Game Assessment. Robert Linville and I created it for our players that we work with to kind of get uh, get a good baseline of what they, how they relate to the game, how they relate to the mental game, how they relate to work ethic, and it. I'll be able to give you a report that that says across eighteen different mental game categories uh, what what you're really strong at and what needs improvement. So if you'd like to take that mental game assessment, it takes about 15 minutes. Uh, it's completely free. Uh, it'll be a link in the show notes. And to all of those that have that are listening that have taken it, I am working on getting that, getting those reports pumped out. There's a lot. So thank you to the, everyone who has taken it. I'm working on getting them back. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. I'm Josh Nichols, and I will catch you guys in the next one. 